Come right over here. Yes, I was lost in sin. I was a sailor on the sea of sin, sinking, well, going down, but grace found me and brought me into the safe harbor of his grace. I want to thank you, Lord, in memorial of all those that paid for this place, this grace, especially my Savior on the cross in the grave, but God, you resurrected him by your glory. I thank you, Lord, that at 1980, at an altar, I repented there. I was baptized that day. I went down a sinner. In the name of Jesus, I came up a saint. And that they took me home and explained that I could, I could have the Holy Ghost just like the day of Pentecost. And before I walked in the church that night, I said, I am going to receive the Holy Ghost. If there's anybody in here that would need the Holy Ghost, you got to make that declaration to your own heart. I am going to receive the Holy Ghost. Today, I'm not leaving this place till the glory of God fills me. For this is a holy place. And Lord, I, and I thank God I spoke in tongues. They didn't have to beg me to come to the altar. I ran to the altar, and it was... It was, I don't know how long, but I was just praising God. And I, didn't even, I didn't even knew, no, that I was speaking in tongues. But everybody around was going crazy. And I started listening. It says, the, the tongues is for the believer that hear. And I heard myself speak with tongues. And I am forever changed. And that's been 40, 41 years going on to 42. Thank you, Lord. Uh, for everything you brought me through. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Sister Dora, I'd like you to testify today. I guess this is what they mean in season and out of season. <laughs> I'd just like to Thank God, because he is so good. I mean, there is nothing that we can do without his love. And there is nothing that we can do without him. You know, um, I learned at a very early age, you know, how to pray and how to seek God, because he was the only one who was going to help me. And, you know, he's still with me. I'm not going to say how many years, but I know a little bit more than Brother Vance there. <laughs> but God is so good. And, you know, we should worship him and praise him because he is good. Every day we have his blessings upon our lives. And every day he gives us our joy. He is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And God bless you all. Amen. Thank you. Praise God. Amen. I'm going to dismiss our children at this time and their teachers, our young people as well, to their class upstairs. Amen. Why don't you just stand and take a minute and greet somebody, all of you, if you haven't had a chance yet. Say hello to somebody next to you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you all. God bless you all. Praise God.
praise God. Thankful to have our visitors here today. Every one of you that's visiting here and all the regulars too. It's good to see you. Amen. <clears throat> praise God. Praise God. Amen. I'm I, I am appreciative of the presence of the Lord that I feel. Would you just close your eyes there where you are and pray, Lord, I thank you for your spirit that's here in this room. Lord, I thank you for your presence that we feel here all around us, God. I thank you. Lord, I'm thankful for all that you've done for us, for dying on the cross to take away our sin, for shedding your blood, God, that we might be healed. Lord, I'm thankful that you robed yourself in flesh for us. God, that you came to this earth, Lord, to live and to die, to take away the sin of the world. Amen. I'm thankful for it. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. I love the Lord. Amen. I'm going to invite Brother Hart, if he would at this time, to come and share what he feels from the Lord. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord, everyone. Good to see you here today in the house of the Lord. I don't know if... Um, if uh, just because it's what's on my mind a little bit this morning, but the only way I, I sort of know how to describe what I feel here today is is I just sort of feel the the humility of the Lord um, as we as we feel His presence and worship Him and realize that without Him we can do and are nothing. <laughs> without Him, we're just lumps of clay on the uh, thrown away in the potter's field and uh, it's only by him by his grace by his spirit working in us and through us we can be vessels that he can pour out of uh, pour into and and then pour out of pour through and uh, I don't know about you but that's that's one of my greatest desires along with with knowing him it's being a vessel that he can use uh, whatever day of the week um, and even though I'm I'm up here frequently this believe it or not this is probably my my least favorite favorite way to be to be used but whether it's a Monday or a Tuesday um, in in private at a at a coffee shop or even just in my room uh, recording recording a podcast I just want to be used by God amen and just I just have just two quick passages I want to share this morning um, sort of along these lines if you have your Bible and want to turn there with me I uh, I woke up this morning with with this verse on my mind and the Lord's just been kind of ministering to to me about it and I feel like he can do the same for you. It's Isaiah 26. And uh, verse 3. Isaiah 26, verse 3. And it says, 
Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace. Everyone say peace. Peace. A peace that surpasses all understanding as the peace of God. And he'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is, is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust you in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. And to, for, for a mind to be stayed on him is, is a mind to, to be resting on, to be leaning on, on the Lord. And uh, I don't know about you, but for me, that's something that almost every single day I could use, use help with, use work on, is my mind being stayed on him. Not being caught up with the cares of the world, not being caught up with, with my responsibilities or or me, so easy for my mind to just be all me, 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 and miss the point and the, the desire of, of God for, for my day. And then just one other, one other passage here, uh, familiar scripture. In Philippians chapter 2, And uh, Philippians is probably one of my favorite, favorite books as a whole, and especially this passage. Um, we can start with Philippians 2 and verse 5. And it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Verse 7 says, But made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men, and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Like I said, a familiar passage to most of us here. But what, what stood out to me as I was reading this this morning was, um, I've, I've been thinking a little bit about reputation. And the Lord making himself of no reputation is, if you look at that, the translation of that word, it's he, he literally poured himself out. He emptied himself of who he was, of, of getting any glory in, in the flesh and the natural. He just he poured himself out and became a humble servant. And humility is, is one of those things that, be, because it's the opposite of pride, uh, it's, it's something that it's not necessarily the easiest for us to achieve or to, to live in a state of, of humility. But what I'm, what I'm realizing is the more and more that I, I desire to be used of God, the more I, I seek his face and seek the things of him, his will, his desire, there becomes this, this greater need to, to pour myself out of, of who I am, of what I, what I think people perceive me as or what I want people to perceive me as. Because this, what, what we feel here today in, in, in worship and the presence of God is it's that that we 
are desiring to draw people to. It's, it's not Life Church or, or Elder Hart or Elder Flowers or, or Bishop, their ministries or who we are by any, any means at all. But if, if we are, as, as every individual, as the body of Christ, as ministers called of God, if we are to be successful as, as ministers, then we have to empty ourselves of, of who we are so that God, through us, can draw people to him. If, we are, if we're vessels that are full of ourselves, <laughs> full of pride, and, and pride is, is one of those things that sneaks up in, in so many ways because pride doesn't necessarily mean that you're, you're arrogant or, you know, just boastful. But pride is, is literally, pride is just, just caring too much about, just caring too much about your own cares. You look in, in Peter, it talks about casting your cares upon him because he cares for you. And it says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. And so I'm, I'm realizing the, a good sign, a good check for me in, in my life to, to check and see, okay, Lord, where am I at on, my, on the humility scale? <laughs> a good check for that is to look at my thoughts, check my mind, and see how much I'm thinking about myself. <laughs> how much am I thinking, God, about my own thing, my own problems, my own issues, and spending, and, and it shows up in, in my prayer often as well, is most of my prayer time filled up with, Lord, help me with this, Lord, do this for me, Lord, this, 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 or is it seeking his face, seeking his will, praying for the needs of the body, praying for these valleys, and uh, like I said, it's not, a, it's not necessarily a, an easy thing. But you see throughout Scripture here with, with Jesus and then even in, in, in Peter and James, humility is something that God can, he can do. The, the rock can fall on us and crush us. But it's a much better process when we choose to humble ourselves, <laughs> when we choose to fall upon the rock and be broken and realize that, you know what, I may, have, I may have fall upon this rock yesterday, but I wake up today and I'm the same prideful Joel that I was yesterday. And so I'm going to wake up again today and I'm going to fall on that rock again because I'm not trying to form and shape this vessel of, of my own ability or my own power, but I want to stay malleable, stay moldable in the hands of the potter that can, that can put me back together. <laughs> regardless of, of my state of brokenness or my state of pride. And I was, I was talking to a friend yesterday, and he, he used this example of um, having a broken bone. And you can, you can break a bone and then go through the, the healing process, however long it may be, you know, six to eight weeks or eight to ten weeks or more. And... Um, but if in the, in the first stages of that healing process of that broken bone, if things aren't, aren't set right, if they're not put in the proper alignment, then that bone can, can heal, but it can heal incorrectly. And there's times when the doctor, after all those weeks, will, they'll go back in, take another x-ray, look at an individual's bone, and say, man, I hate to... Uh, 
hate to tell you this, hate to break it to you, but uh, we're going to have to re-break your bone so that it can heal again in the right way. And so, I don't know about you, but for me, uh, humility seems to be one of those lessons that's um, just annually, weekly, monthly, repetitive. I'm like, Lord, I thought I, I, thought I learned this lesson. <laughs> Yeah, I put, I put you together once, and then you thought, you know, you got it, had it figured out. <laughs> so it's time to break you again. It's time for you to be broken again. And something I've, I've learned, and I haven't necessarily learned how to apply it all the time, but something I've learned is that the Lord doesn't necessarily get pleasure out of breaking us. What he would much rather is us to just remain in a place of brokenness. You know, remain in that place where we're not doing anything through our own ability, through our own efforts. We're not carrying our own cares and thinking that we got it all together. But we're staying in that place of of brokenness, of humility before God. (laughs) It says, God, I don't know. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know. What next week holds, I don't know. Maybe for some of you, you don't know where you're going to live next week. You don't know what your job's going to be. I'm I'm a little bit in that boat. Not necessarily where I'm going to live, but. And it can be, it can, it rubs so much against our pride to say, I don't have it all figured out. (laughs) And I need help. But when we do that, when we get to that place of humility, the, the power and the ability of God to, to use us, to flow through us, is, is the greatest place that we can be in the hands of God, in the hands of, of the potter. Amen. I wonder if you can, um, just where you're at, if we can close our eyes and, and pray for one more time. I'm, I'm going to pass this over already, but... I, I just feel this, this draw, this call to humility today that God would be able to bring us again to a, to a place of brokenness, to a place just in His hands that He can mold us, that He can shape us. Father, we, we want to yield to You, Jesus, to Your molding, to Your shaping process. God, I don't have it all figured out in my own abilities and my knowledge. Jesus, but I do, I know I want to be used of you, Father. Jesus, so we humble ourselves, we cast our care on you, Jesus, knowing that you care for us, knowing, God, that you're not going to leave us broken, you're not going to leave us thrown away in the potter's field. If we yield to your molding, if we yield to your shaping, oh God, you're going to put us back together again in the way and the vessel that you want us to be for the glory of God, for the purpose of the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 2. Verse 4. Amen. I'm listening to what the Lord is trying to tell me. Are you? 
listening. I want to hear from God. Amen. Second Timothy chapter two, verse four. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life. Can you imagine? Let's reverse the roles for a minute. Can you imagine if we had a soldier overseas and she was fighting? You didn't see that coming, did you? And she was fighting overseas. And imagine that the husband had the ability to text her or call her from where, whatever country she was in. Imagine him texting her and saying, how do you start this washing machine again? Which one of the kids likes the crust cut off their sandwiches? There's a package delivered here today. Were you expecting that? You know, I, I, I think that probably somewhere along the way, somewhere that's someone high up in the military decided we need to uh, not allow for that kind of thing. We, we better not let our soldiers take, you know, their, uh, their iPhone or their Android. I mean, they, I know they got a lot of pockets in those uniforms, but it's probably a good idea if uh, we don't allow for one of those to be where they keep uh, Facebook Messenger open. Or, you know, a, a phone number with an active line that somebody could call them and ask, you know, any, any, any kind of question that's not pertinent to the, to the job that they're trying to do right now. It's what the verse says. It's what it means when it says, a man that warreth doesn't entangle himself with the affairs of this life. Now, we're not talking about a natural war, we're talking about a spiritual war, but the concept is the same. If you're fighting a spiritual battle, you are therefore warring. And if you're warring, you don't need to be thinking about how old your shoelaces are and if it's time to replace them or not. Or you, you, you fill in the blank with a affair of this life something that it only pertains to here and now the reason why i believe is because you could get so many little things entangling you that before you know it you don't have a free arm to fight with it's entangled by so much. Here's an example. My arm is now entangled for whatever this might represent to you or to me. Can you believe that there was a time before cell phones? 
I mean, honestly, I didn't make that up. There was a time that these things did not exist. I'm envious of some of you that got to experience what life was like, what marriage was like, what friendships were like, what jobs were like. Without the electronic leash, That's what I call that, because whatever I'm tied to, it can just jerk me right back and say, get over here for a little while. It's what that represents. But if I'm, if I'm supposed to be fighting a spiritual battle and warring a spiritual battle, but I am so entangled with natural things, I'm not going to fight well, if at all. I'm going to lose. I'm giving my enemy an unfair advantage. It's like this whole idea of fighting with one hand tied behind your back, right? Come on, I'll take you on one-handed. It's giving an unfair advantage to be entangled with the affairs of this life. That he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. If you will jump down to verse 14. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. I believe the Apostle Paul writing this letter here to Timothy is giving him some practical instruction and now he's going to give him even one practical example of the affairs of this life that he could be entangled with, tied up with. Dare I say wasting his time with. Becoming unproductive. Of these things, put them in remembrance charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit. Let me read you this other translation I have. Tell your people about these things again. In the name of the Lord, tell them not to argue over words that are not important. It helps no one and it hurts the faith of those who are listening charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit. It's what King James says, but to the subverting of the hearers. The people that hear the arguing, the people that hear the words, they are subverted. Their faith is hurt by it. I know it might sound like a small thing to you, but... It could be a, a major issue to the person sitting next to you or the person standing or beside you or around you. And we're, when you're having this discussion or maybe even arguing about something, that what it means is it doesn't matter who's right or wrong about the argument, right? A, a, a discussion to no profit. An argument with no profit means even if you're right, it doesn't matter. Even if you're wrong, it doesn't matter. So don't fill your time, don't fill your discussions talking about things, arguing, debating things that are only going to hurt people that hear or observe or see that conversation. Now if I can stay 2021 with you, 
Most of our discussions happen through these things, right? Most of them, not for all of us, but for the majority of us, our conversations, our, our debating, if you will, happen there. Some of it in private, an individual call, a message, something like that. Some of it in groups, larger than just a private conversation. You get a, you, you, raise your hand if you've ever been a part of a group text. Most of us. Now the group text becomes a different dynamic than the private one-on-one because what I say is now not just directed to one person. Even if I think it is directed to one person, it's now seen by more than one. Multiple. And now I might just be thinking, well, I'm only communicating this one minor detail to this one person, but... To the, it's the same as the conversations, right, that somebody might overhear or be in earshot of. I've got to be aware of that. I still have... It, I could say something that really upsets someone else and I wasn't even directing it at them. Or I could be having a back and forth with one person and another person or a group. I haven't even got to social media yet, by the way. We're just talking about group texts or group emails or, well, you know, all those different ways that you can talk. But then you take it a step further and the point of social media The actual, literal objective is so that multiple people can see. (laughs) Right? It's about an audience. It's about a perceived audience. It's about becoming heard by more than just The four walls around me. It's not even about winning an argument. It's about being heard. It's about my point coming across. My voice being broadcast. My opinions. My thoughts. Being seen by others. I know the Bible says it talks about what's done in secret shall be rewarded openly. But it also talks about people that do things because they want to be seen and heard openly by other people. And the scripture says it's Matthew 6. Be not as the hypocrite when he prays. He prays to be seen and heard for his much speaking. And he says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, he has his reward. His reward is that people see and hear. That's, the, that's as good as it gets. Now, the, the greater is pride, what, what, Elder, what Brother Joel was talking about. It's pride. I want people to see and hear, and I want to affect their opinion of me. I want them to think that I know how to pray. 
I want them to think that I know how to, to discuss the Bible or current events or whatever it is. I want them to think I know what I'm talking about. And it's pride. It's to the subverting of the hearers. It hurts the faith of those who are listening. Jump down, if you will, to verse 16. But shun profane and vain babblings. Shun means turn away from, turn it off, cut it out. Cut out profane and vain babblings. For they will increase unto more ungodliness. Not just because you don't need to hear it. It's not profitable for you. It's not going to help you. Because it's actually going to lead to more ungodliness. It's kind of like when Jesus says, if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. If two people are having a discussion and it's profane and vain and it's empty and it's meaningless, what it's doing is it's leading to more ungodliness. Less godly. That discussion is less godly. The result is less godly. The track that it puts you on is less godly. And their words, verse 17, will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenius and Philetus. Verse 18, who concerning the truth have erred. He's, he's calling Timothy back to remember. Remember those two people? And their error, what they were saying, but it was inaccurate, and how it led to this question and that question and this issue, and now we're having all this discussion, and it's leading to more ungodliness. What their here their example, they said the resurrection is past already. Not the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The rapture. What we call the rapture. The resurrection of the dead. Right? They're saying that's already happened. And they overthrow the faith of some. It's not minor details. It leads to people losing faith in God. That's what happens. Overthrows the faith of them. Nevertheless, verse 19, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Verse 20, catch this. This is a very common, popular part of Scripture. Verse 20 and 21. We hear it. We think about it so many times. I hear, I've heard it preached from or mentioned so many times. But this is the context that it's in. 
the context of vain and profane babblings that lead to more ungodliness and what we're supposed to be shunning and turning away from. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor, some that get used for great, awesome, special purposes, and some that get used to take out the garbage. Next verse. If a man therefore purge himself from these, that word, these, is why we had to just talk about all that we just had to talk about. Purge himself from the, from what? The, the dirty dishes? No. Purge himself from profane and vain babblings. The kind of discussions, the kind of conversations that lead to more ungodliness. If a man will purge himself from these, you know what it also means is some people you have to stop listening to. Purge does not mean turn the volume down a little bit. Purge does not mean scroll past. Oh, hear me. It does not mean scroll past. It means unfollow, delete. The problem with scrolling past is you're going to see it again. And the problem with muting for just a minute is you're going to unmute it. Delete. Unfollow. Cut out. Purge. I wish they would introduce a purge button to Facebook. I wish they would introduce purge to Instagram. Not report. Not complain about. Purge. If a man will purge himself from these, any time, hear me, you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God that's leading you and guiding you, any time that Spirit tells you to purge, you need to purge. Any time you question, you feel, oh, that might not, it's a mostly right, but it's a little bit not right. Purge. What, what the serpent said to Eve was mostly right and a little bit not right. Right? Mostly right. And Eve's thinking, oh, that's mostly right. It's a little bit not right. But I'm just going to stick around. I'm just going to follow. I'm going to listen a little bit more. See if I think I'm feeling the right thing or the wrong thing. See how bad this influence really might get. I'm telling you, if a man will purge himself from these things, you, get, you, you cut it off, and then you get out whatever's in here that got there through that channel, through that influence. You purge it. You wash it away. You cleanse it, and it's no longer there. If a man... Therefore, purge himself from these things. He shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified. I'm pretty sure I saw a car in my neighborhood when I was taking the kids around the other day. And you know, they have those big stickers, decals on the back of windows or whatever. 
And I was going by it a little too fast to stop and look, but I'm quite sure that it said sanctified on it. I thought, well, that's a new one. I've seen a lot of things on a lot of cars. Most of them don't fit that description. But it said sanctified. This is how you get sanctified. Come on, listen. This is not just your spiritual car wash for you to walk in and out of week after week and get a little bit more clean and then go back out and get dirty so you can come in here to do the car wash again. That is not sanctified. That is not purged. How many of you have gone through a car wash sometimes and gotten out and thought, oh, they missed a spot? That one, I just paid 10 bucks for that. You know? It's not, it's not purged. It's not sanctified. It took me a while, talking about teen years, it took me a while to realize I had to use soap on the car. I mean, you can spray it just with enough water and you'll get rid of that top layer and you think, okay, I'm good to go. I'm going to drive off. And then you park and the next day you go back out and you thought, it's dirty again. How come when they wash theirs, it stays clean for a week? You got to use the soap, the product. You're purging. You're not just putting a layer on something or washing off a little bit to satisfy your conscience. Just get me clean enough to get through today. And then I'll get dirty and then I'll worry about getting clean again after that. We're talking about purging influences. We're talking about getting sanctified. I love that the, the fact that that verse starts with the word if. Because we want to, as Christians, put all the responsibility on God and no responsibility on us and think, come on, I thought you had the good stuff. Where's the Ajax? Where's the... Where's the turtle wax? You didn't get me looking good enough. God, I thought you were going to purge me. I thought you were going to cleanse me and wash me. If a man, not if God, if a man will purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Next verse. Flee also. Flee also. Purge yourself from the unclean and then flee. Run away from. Depart from. Get far away from. That's what it means to flee. Hear me. If this, is, if this podium right here, right, uh, it, it resembles or it's the sin, or it says flee youthful lust. If this is the lust right here, and I'm walking from here to there, this is not fleeing. Oh, okay, let's go. 
<laughs> no. This is fleeing. Right? Right? Which one's fleeing, running away from? But this is what we think. Oh, I got washed. I got clean. I'm sanctified. That's a lust. Oh, I'm clean enough. I don't have to worry about that anymore. Only if you don't want to obey the Bible, folks. Flee also youthful lust. But follow righteousness. Follow righteousness. Faith, charity, peace. With them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. The, we talked about this a little bit last week, or maybe, maybe Tuesday night. But the, the importance of the body, there it is again, right there. Follow with. Follow with. How do I know if I'm following after righteousness? How do I know if I'm following after peace? How do I know if I'm following after charity or faith? Well, look at the crowd you're with. If it's them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart, chances are that crowd is following those things. Right? Come on, don't make me teach elementary school for a minute or middle school. Take a look at the people around you. There we go. If you wanted, I'm trying to not teach a 2021 message, but the word follow is right there. It might as well say subscribe. Subscribe with those that follow after the Lord. Follow with those I mean, if you have to do this, go to your YouTube account, go to your Spotify, go to your iTunes, go to whatever, your Facebook, your Instagram, your Twitter, and look through the list and say, I wonder if Bishop follows this. I wonder if he subscribes to this. I wonder if he would be okay with it. Or would I be shocked to see that and his subscriptions. Is that right? That's just the starting point, okay? But that's if a man will purge himself from these things. And I go through and I'm cleaning and I'm washing out. And I'm, you know what I'm doing is I'm getting sanctified. Verse 23, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid. Let me give you a little bit of clarity on that really quick. 
I read that and I think, okay, that means I can't talk to so-and-so because they're going to ask me a foolish question or an unlearned question. But most of my questions that are foolish and ignorant, they come from right here, not from somebody else. I start to think and wonder, I wonder if, couldn't the Lord have done this? Maybe God's like this. And if it, if it doesn't line up with the Word of God, I need to get it out of here. I'm avoiding it. Knowing that they do gender strife, it's going to lead to strife. It's going to lead to two sides pitted against one another. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God peradventure will give them repentance to, acknowledge, to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him, at his will. Recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. In case you were wondering, you, can, you also cannot trick yourself into thinking that the Lord is just going to let you seemingly fight this battle with the devil for the rest of your life and hope that you win by the time he comes back. You got yourself snared. You got yourself entangled. You got yourself wrapped up in, in, in all these evil works and all these fleshly works, all these things that we know are not pleasing to God and then I'm just thinking, well, man, I'm so wrapped up. The devil's got all this stuff so much around me. I can't get loose of it. I can't get out of it. That's what this chapter just says, that they may recover themselves. That they may recover themselves. You don't also get to sit there, and this is me too, we don't get to sit here and think the preaching's just not good enough. The worship's just not good enough. The praying's just not good enough. It's all deflecting. That's all deflecting. Recover themselves. I don't get to run to Bishop and say, oh, come on, you got to get me out of this mess I'm in. You do a better job bishoping, and I'll be more sanctified. Elder, you just preach better, and I'll get more sanctified. I'll get more purged. Raise your hand and say, it's up to me. That they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil. Why don't you stand with me? Bishop, do you have anything you'd like to add?
And this is what I wanted to say. Since Brother Mays took the microphone and began to pray, I have felt such an anointing in this place. You may have heard me say it earlier. The chief shepherd is in the house. We are under shepherds. We are under shepherds. He is the chief shepherd. And the spirit of the chief shepherd has been in the house. I think it's 2 Timothy 3.16. Help me out there. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished, equipped unto all good works. That was a reproof. By the chief shepherd. He truly is our help, isn't he? I feel humbled to be in his presence and to hear what he is saying to us. Amen. I'm going to let you respond to the Lord. These altars are open. Respond honestly to the Lord, would you?
Hallelujah. I want us to do one more thing here together. Lovely. David prayed it in Psalms, I believe it was 53. Purge me with hyssop. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. We pray, we've done our part. The Lord's spoken to us. I believe we've responded openly and honestly before the Lord. Now I want you to really accept, receive, and understand the fact that he would do his part. When the Lord says, when David says, wash me and I shall be, he, he, he's recognizing that before he even goes to the Lord, claiming that before he even goes to the Lord. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. I believe the Lord's doing a cleansing work, a washing work in us as we work together with him to get that done. But I don't want to even leave one occasion for the adversary to say it just didn't happen. It didn't work. It didn't take. I want, I want us to pray that. Now, you don't have to say the exact words, but what David said, wash me and I shall be. And I want, as you're praying it, I want you to receive, acknowledge the fact that it is the work that the Lord would do and has done in your life. Lord, I thank you for it. Lord, I thank you for washing me. I thank you, Lord, for cleansing me. God, I thank you for giving me this opportunity, O oh Jesus, to come before you. Lord, with openness and honesty, Jesus, I pray it, Lord, as I cleanse myself, Lord, from all filthiness of the flesh, as I cleanse myself, Lord, I believe that you are doing an even greater work, Lord. You are washing the soul. You are washing the spirit, God. You are making a new man, a new creature in Christ. In the name of Jesus, Lord, wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Lord, it's you that makes one pure. It's Lord, it's you that does the work, Lord, of pureness. Lord, I thank you for it. I claim it today. I receive it over my life today. In Jesus' name. the Lord is cleansing right now I feel the work of the Lord he's washing over you right now in the name of Jesus cleanse me oh God cleanse me oh God wash me oh God in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus
in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Let me remind you, we, we cannot dismiss our part. We cannot dismiss our part. If I'm praying to the Lord, wash me, cleanse me, or purge me, this is how he does it. He tells you, get rid of that. Stop doing this. Stop following that. That's how he does it. He does not pick you up by the scruff and, and move you. He tells you. With his voice, he tells you. Instructs you. And then we obey. Amen? Then we obey. Amen. I'm thankful for it. I feel that spirit here today that we would walk according to the will of God. Amen. In Jesus' name, let me encourage you. Follow after his voice. Listen for it. Follow it. Obey it. He's going to tell you. He's going to give us instruction. We obey it. Amen. Lord, I thank you for your presence that we feel here today. I thank you, Lord, that you would speak to me, God, that you would give me this direction. Lord, that you would give me this instruction. I receive it today in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray, I claim it by the grace of God. I will walk in this newness of life. I will walk, Lord, according to the Spirit, after the Spirit, minding the things of the Spirit. In the name of Jesus, thank you for it, my God. Hallelujah. Why don't we give our, the Lord a hand clap of praise right now. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Greet one another. You are dismissed.